Hello and welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder Buddy after a long-awaited return. You know him, you love him. He is the Thunder Beat reporter for the Oklahoman, Joe Masato. Joe, what's going on today? A very kind intro. Thank you for that, Michael. Um, Things are good. I have emerged from COVID protocols, was out at shoot-around this morning, saw you there, and uh, we'll be heading down to the old Paycom Center in, in just a little bit because it's Thundercast tonight, and I'm pretty excited about that. I'm very excited. Darius Garland's one of my favorite players in the league, and then watching him and Donovan Mitchell will be a lot of fun, and then the never-ending comparisons of Josh Giddey and Evan Mobley should be should be a fun game tonight. What, let me ask you, why is uh, Darius Garland one of your favorite players in the league? I think that he... Well, one, he got the stamp of approval from Steph Curry, but he's one of the last, like... I don't want to say true point guards, but he's a pass-first guy who can play on or off the ball and just makes a lot of his teammates better. I was workshopping this, and it might get me some heat, especially since we're about to talk about the Hawks, but I would rather have Darius Garland than Trey Young. Yeah, I mean, just from like a pure basketball standpoint and like the aesthetics of it, I'm with you. Um, Obviously, your team construct has to be different. Um, with those two guys, like Mitchell, I think has been the perfect fit, obviously next to, next to Darius Garland. So maybe you don't want him to be that primary scorer. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got a, he does have an old school game. Um, I'm not comparing anyone to Chris Paul, but he's got a little Chris Paul in him and and is just a really good player. Yeah. He feels like the uh, kind of successor to Chris Paul and a little bit of that him and Tyrese Halliburton as you know, I'd like to ask Chris Paul that sometime about the point guard position. We're getting into positionless basketball, but are point guards just leaving or is it evolving into something different? But that's a topic for another day. But like I mentioned, Trey Young. Yeah, uh, I mean, just, know what was um, I wasn't there, but just hearing some of the guys in, in the postgame press conference and hearing Mark Zagnalt, the common theme was like it was one that got away. And first off, I think that I think that analysis speaks to where the Thunder are now. Like last season, two seasons ago, you would never go into a Thunder Hawks game and be like, yeah, the Thunder should win this game. But like it speaks to their improvement that they're right on that level. Um, Obviously, Shea was tremendous there in in that first half. Um, Trey Young was was really good for the Hawks. It was uh, was such a fun game, just, just wild offense in this. Um, but the the defense was lacking, and that's what Mark Dagnall seemed upset about. Um, the Hawks, um, the mo- most points the Thunder has allowed all season, so um, not, not not something the Thunder really wants to hang their hat on on that end of the floor. But at the same time, it's it's fun to watch high powered offense like that. Yeah, love watching the up and down scoring. Reminded me of a Big Twelve football game, but just. A lot of scoring, a lot of up and down. Um, Shea, like you mentioned, he talked about in post game about this is one that got away from us. And Josh Giddy was saying the same thing. He said in the first half there was a little bit of defense. The second half it was no defense, and it just turned to who can score the ball more. And they ended up outscoring us. But an overall good game. I thought Shea was incredible, especially in the first half. Just the way that he attacked Dejounte Murray, who's an All NBA level defender, and scored about what did it look like three and one straight in the first half against DeJounte Murray. It was pretty impressive. It was three and ones in 26 seconds. Like I, uh, I was telling Andrew Schlecht this, that has to be an NBA record. I, I, I don't know if we can track such things. Um, 
I, I I mean I know we can. I don't have the capability. Um, but but maybe we can get some sort of a computer system on it. But um, Elias Sports Bureau, where where are you on this? Because three and ones all on layups, and he makes all of them. Um, and, and he hits all three of the free throws. So it's nine points in less than thirty seconds without making a three pointer. Um, that was crazy. And and like you said, Dejounte Murray is a really good defensive player. Shea's 26 points in the first half, the most he's ever had in a first half. I went back and looked at his highest scoring halves of his career. The top 12 were all in the second half, which makes sense. Um, but um, yeah, this was this was the most potent first half he's had. Only scored 10 points after halftime. I, was, I thought we might be on career high watch for Shea, um, but they did better against him late, and the Hawks prevailed. They sure did. I thought Josh Giddy played well, too. I mean, he missed a lot of bunnies at the rim, but towards the end of the game, he really used his size, strength, and just frame to really punish guys like Trey Young and just walk them to the rim, mm-hmm. which I thought was very impressive to see from him, especially since he like sat out a lot of the fourth quarter in the closing minutes and then came back in with, what, like two minutes left? But even in those small remaining minutes, he seemed very impactful. Yeah, um, and, and a couple things I want to touch on but before we're done talking about this game. Usman Jang, um, first game back in, in more than a month, uh, you know, did not play particularly well, but he played like a 19-year-old who had missed a month plus of, of basketball and trying to reintegrate himself into that. I, I just think it's kind of an interesting balance as the Thunder moves forward as, as far as, you know, development has been the priority. And I think in many ways... It still is, but now you're trying to develop while you're also playing more competitive games. The games are more high pressure. Th- these aren't the games that, you know, Poku was developing in two years ago when no one was paying attention. But clearly they're going to try to get Jang involved. Um, and first, just, you know, good to see him back out there. It, it's been a while, and it looks like the wrist is healthy and everything like that. But I'm I'm just kind of curious to see what his workload looks like moving forward and how they balance his time between the Thunder and the G League. Yeah, it should be interesting because it feels like JRE should be back in the next couple of weeks, and that's another guy who will take up minutes at some of those forward positions. But Oose looked decent for a guy coming off his second wrist injury. I think it's very important, and you kind of mentioned in passing his minutes on the blue, which is not as good as a different opportunity for him. And it's very nice for a guy like that, like you mentioned, who's not getting the same type of developmental minutes that a guy like Poku did a couple of years ago because the team's in a much better spot. But at the same time, he does get those minutes in the G League on the blue, so it's not like he's just all practice minutes and then a few garbage time minutes, and that's all he has to actually get on an NBA floor. But he's actually playing against professional-level players in a different environment and getting to you know shake off the rust and show what he can do. Yeah, the, the Thunder doesn't mess around with how they handle the blue. And what I mean by that is it's it's very structured, much like the Thunder is. They pretty much are running the same things. They've got the same terminology. They've got a lot of the same coaches. Obviously, Mark Dagnalt went from coaching the Blue to coaching the Thunder. Cam Woods, the, the Blues head coach now, was a Mark Dagnalt assistant last year on the Thunder staff. Um, so there's a lot of crossover there. And obviously, you've got, got guys going back and forth either on two-way contracts or you know younger players going back and forth. So they feel it's really an extension of the Thunder. So yeah, it's like I, I, the competition is obviously a, a pretty steep drop off. But as far as like getting yourself back into basketball shape 
and um, kind of getting confidence up, I think that can really help them. I mean, that's how it worked for Poku. That's how it worked for Trey Mann. Um, a lot of these guys that have used the G League. Well, even Lindy Waters right now, I know Mark uh, the other day in practice uh, talked about it just being like a homework assignment for him. He's going down there, really improving his defense, shot blocking, steals. He's become one of the leaders in stocks over the last couple of weeks. I think Nick Gallo said the other day at practice, but impressive stuff. And then um, on the Hawks side, Trey Young was good. He drew a lot of fouls. That was definitely a big thing, but he... Um, was pretty masterful operating out of the pick and roll, really weaponized a lot of the guys like John Collins and Clint Capella. And then some of those lobs were really nice. One of them was stolen by Jalen Williams, who we definitely have to talk about in this game because it felt like another breakout moment for him where he was just awesome. Yeah, I mean, he he sort of had the moment of the game even in the loss that the poke away from Trey Young, um, basically a, a scoop and score to to relate it to football terms, but finished off with that big dunk. And, you know, that that's one of those plays I think that will stand out as we look back on his rookie season. Um, just kind of his, his two-way capability, the force that he's been playing with, um, continues to be a dunking machine. I, I mean, I looked this up two days ago, and now I have no idea what position he is. He's not any – I mean, he plays the one through four, basically, for the Thunder. But basketball reference – uh, calls him a guard, so I'm going to call him a guard. And among guards, he has 49 dunks, which is the most in the NBA by a lot. And second on that list is John Morant. So, again, a guy that I had no idea that this is kind of how he would play with, with like this much applied athleticism. I, I mean, I thought he was going to be more of a see-the-floor, finesse guy, long arms, um, but he is extremely explosive. He's just tapping into that. He said he didn't start dunking until his senior year of high school. Um, so it's like he's he's just now learning he can do this. And don't don't overrate the power of dunking because one of the reasons he's shooting so well from two is because he's having his hands on the rim a whole lot. 13% of his shots have been dunks, um, which is just like a, a crazy distribution. So, yeah, J-Dub was really good. Yeah, he's a great finisher in a lot of ways, but there are no style points for an up and under or anything. A dunk is worth just as much, and he's getting the job done. Uh, just pretty impressive stuff. And then the last thing on that, I'm not going to compare him to Paul George, but just watching him it reminds me of one of, the thing P, uh, one of the things PG said a few years ago where he told Billy Donovan, I think some media members, he told Billy, don't run any plays for me. I'll just like find it throughout the offense and throughout the game. And J-Dub feels very similar. It doesn't feel like they're necessarily running a bunch of actions for him but he just finds those small windows of opportunity to drive and get dunks I know that Mark talked about it before but he's a guy who he's pushing to be more aggressive in Jada but it feels like he's finding a nice balance throughout that um, well yeah and it helps to play with a guy like Josh Giddy because J-Dub's such a smart cutter and Josh Giddy um, is going to find you uh, if, if you cut at the right times in the right spaces those two have a really good connection um, J Dub with you know his size, his rebounding. I mean, he can he can keep possessions alive. So yeah, he it's not like he's not a good enough shooter right now to um have things specifically run for him. Now, if it's something downhill getting to the basket, sure, he's a really really good finisher down there. Um, but he he's not a guy you have to worry about. Like, how are we going to get him involved? Kind of like. Like Trey Mann is a guy I think that you, and this isn't a knock on Trey Mann, but you've 
you, you kind of have to put the ball in his hands, let, let him get comfortable, run some stuff for him. Whereas J-Dub, he can just go out there and insert himself into the offense. Yeah, I think that a lot of that comes from his size, but he's just a really interesting player. I mean, even one of the later possessions in the game, they ran like um, a pick and roll play with Shea as the ball handler and J-Dub as a screener and he rolls and dunks it. And it's just like, wow, you can just use him about any way, shape and form. But moving on to Shea, he was the big story of yesterday as he was not named an all-star starter for the West as uh, the voting came down and it went to... Steph Curry and Luka Doncic among the guards. And then the forward spots were uh, Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, and Zion Williamson. What did you think about um, Shea not getting the nod to start? Well, I wasn't surprised. Um, I, I thought all signs pointed toward basically, I saw it as Luka had one spot guaranteed. Um, I Steph, because of the fan votes, was, was certainly going to get in, and he's got the numbers. I just, and I'll explain my vote in just a second, I thought the games played difference between Steph and Shea would be more of a factor among the media vote because that's things that we might tend to look at a little more than fans or players. So I actually thought Shea had a decent chance to finish second among guards in the West in the media vote, and I was way wrong because he finished fourth. He was behind Steph Curry, um, which I'll grant you, and, and behind John Morant. Now, John Morant doesn't have a statistical case over Shea, but he obviously has team context on his side, and that counts for something. Um, there's no there's no criteria for how you're supposed to vote for All-Stars. There's no games played quota. There's no stats quota. Um, fan vote is 50% of it. Other 50% comes down between players and media. Um, I did, as I've alluded to, um, vote for Shea in in the backcourt with one of those two spots along with Luka Doncic. And I wrote a story uh, that you can find at oklahoman.com about why I did that. Yeah, Shea didn't get the nod, but Luka was probably set in stone like you mentioned. And then Steph, it just can't be discounted, his popularity and his influence on the game, not only in America, but across the world. And I think that that gave a huge bump to Steph and just coming off an NBA title last year, I think also gave him a little bit of a bump, but it's not a big disappointment for Shea. I also would have been pretty surprised if he got the the nod to start, but just thinking about it in the preseason, if I had told you, yeah, Shea's going to be top four in Western guard um, votes for the all-star game, and he's going to have a case to start, you'd go, that's unreal. That'd be awesome. And here we are a little bit disappointed. Some of the fan base says that he's not getting the start, but I think it's nice to put it in the context to remember that last year he was a guy who was looked at as maybe a fringe all-star, and now he's one of the maybe top Yeah, last year he didn't have a good year. all-star case at all. His first half wasn't up to his standard. The year before that, I think he should have got in, and he didn't, but that's before a lot of people were even aware of who he was. Um, this year his case is undeniable. He's certainly going to get in on the coaches' vote. Coaches vote for reserves. We only voted for starters. Um, j- just to dig into the numbers a, a little bit more, I mean, their overall lines are are pretty similar. So 30.8 points for Shea, 29.3 for Curry. Shea's shooting 51%. Curry's at 49%. Um, Curry has a six percentage point edge on three-point field goals, which is obvious and and, uh, uh, significant. Um, Steph has more rebounds and assists, but Shea is the much better defender with those 1.7 steals and 1.1 blocks. Um, I looked at some advanced stats 
as well. In basketball references, player efficiency rating, which basically takes everything into account. SGA is fourth. Curry is 11th. Um, SGA is third in win shares. Curry is 24th. Um, I'll stop reading these these numbers, but the, the the main the main reason I went Shea over Curry was that Shea up to that point had played 44 games. Curry was at 33. That's a 431 minute difference. So SGA is 22nd in the NBA in total minutes, and Curry is 129th. And again, not all voters vote like I do, but when statistical cases are that close team context is that close they're only one game apart in the standings um i'll look at availability and use that as the tiebreaker which is why i went with shea availability is the best ability to have as you see with a lot of these teams like the clippers who can never get guys on the floor or the lakers with anthony davis and there's no shame losing to steph curry in an all-star vote um i'm with you i think that the availability and just the overall sample size maybe you should lean toward Shea, but like you mentioned, it's not a thing where the Warriors are the number three seed in the Thunder or 11 or something. like. They're very, very close. So I don't know. It's one of those things where you can get upset about it if you want, but it's not a huge deal. I'm sure Shea's time will be coming um, soon. Did you get any feeling from other media members that you talked to who did have a vote on their feeling about Shea versus Well, Steph I mean, just like, like I read Zach Lowe's column yesterday morning, and he had Shea and Curry as well and had been talking about that on his podcast. He's got a pretty big influence. So that kind of gave me more credence to to my vote and was like, okay, maybe other people are going to do this as well. And then it wasn't even close. Like Shea was a pretty distant fourth behind um, John Moran. I mean, I, I don't think any of it – I don't have an issue uh, with it for sure. I don't think there are any wrong answers here. I honestly think we're overrating this a, a little bit. I, I've said this before, but if you go to basketball reference, it'll say so-and-so is a nine-time all-star. It doesn't distinguish between starters or not. I think we always talk about how many all-star appearances X player made. We, we don't talk about, you know, Curry's made it nine times and has started seven. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure it's an honor for those guys to start, but he's going to be there, and I, I don't think it – really matters past that. I, I do want to roll through some of the voting totals because I find them very fun and I don't put much stock into them, but um, they're fun. I'm going to start with the fan votes. So all 17 Thunder players got votes ranging from Shea's 2.1 million to Kenrich Williams at the bottom with 696, about 300 worse than uh, Aaron Wiggins. Where, first off, Michael, where is the where's the Kenrich Williams love? The fans got to show out more than 696 votes. It was all on TCU football. That's where they all were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, a few others stood out, like Giddy was second, Poku was third, which speaks to his popularity among fans. Um, that wasn't a big surprise. I was surprised JRE was fourth. Um, also, Jay Will over Jay Dub, I thought was uh, interesting as far as popularity goes, but maybe that's the, uh, you know, Arkansas fans are very invested in Jay Will's career, and Santa Clara doesn't have that big of a uh, uh, enrollment. Um, but any any of those numbers strike uh, stick out to you? I mean, there's always the scenario where they voted for the wrong Jalen Williams. I guess, but like... I Yeah, I guess if they see Jalen Williams OKC and they don't realize there are two or they don't know how to spell it. But if you do know there are two and you 
don't know which is which, wouldn't you look up the spelling before you vote? Joe, I'm not going to try to get into the minds <laughs> of the voters here. All that matters is Shay didn't get beat out by like an uh, Andrew Wiggins K-pop vote or whenever Allen Iverson started in the All-Star game as a Detroit Piston or something like that. At least it was something respectable like Luka Doncic and the greatest shooter ever are the ones who beat you out. But that moves on to another topic I want to talk to you about, and that's just the issues with the voting process. It feels like there's a lot of people who had issues mostly with just the player side of things. You mentioned some of the fan voting, but Chet Holmgren, who didn't play a single minute in the NBA this season, got four uh, votes to uh, be in all votes and losing about, I guess, players on that side not taking the voting all that serious. Yeah, this is this has always been the case since the players have voted. I, I mean, SGA was far and away, got the most votes among players with 62. Giddy was second, which I thought was a pretty, pretty strong... Um, I don't know, confirmation of, of the respect around the league because a lot of times how this works is all, you know, pretty much like all of the Thunder players who have no chance to to make the All-Star game, some of their teammates are going to vote for them and it's fun, everyone vote for everyone else. Um, but Giddy clearly got some votes outside the Thunder. Uh, if anyone wants an explanation why Darius Basley is third on the team with eight player votes, I think you could look up... Um, the agency that, that represents him probably has quite a bit to do with that. That's clutch. Um, Chet and Poku tied for fourth. Yeah, the, both of those seem a little wonky. And again, um, two players had no votes among players, J-Dub and Eugene Omarui. Omarui, two-way player. J-Dub, J-Dub's got to make some more friends in the locker room, it sounds like, because he, uh, he got zero votes among players. And he actually responded to my tweets that I knew I knew I should have voted for myself. So um, maybe next time he'll vote for himself, so he at least gets one player vote. We'll have to ask him about that if, uh, about that if he's going to make the same mistake again, never again. Yeah. I won't be an all star, that's for sure. I, or not saying I'm going to be an all star, but I will not have another season where I have zero votes for me. <laughs> yeah, he's got to he's got to get on that. Jay will had two, and again, maybe it's a thing where no one knows which Jalen Williams is which Jalen Williams. So. I may, those guys are like cannibalizing each other's votes. I have a decent feeling and an idea that J Dub voted for J Will, but J Will did not return the favor for J Dub. I don't know why I feel that way, but there, there's something there. It feels like. So Isaiah Joe got one vote. J Will might have gone with his fellow Fort Smith native, and uh, they weren't teammates at, at Arkansas, but um, fellow Razorback. Maybe maybe J Will voted for Joe. Who do you think put in the most time on their uh, their voting process among the Thunder players if anyone did vote? Um, I'm going to say it's a really, really good question. I'm going to say none of them, but Kenrich Williams, pretty serious guy. He doesn't mess around. I think he did his homework. I, I think uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to go with K. Rich. That actually leads me to something because I was going to think about a way to maybe uh, fix the player voting and one of the things I thought of was just having one team representative for every NBA team and just go you're the one who votes for everything uh, for all this all-star thing and I think that Kenrich is the uh, likely one the most responsible person in the room to do that as a representative and he's also somebody who's not going to back down in a room if they get into some type of debate of who's going to start yeah that it, it, it's a fun idea I mean I don't really understand the. I don't think it's like a legitimate outrage, but people are talking about like redoing the voting process. 
I don't really care. The The All-Star game is about entertainment. I, I think it should be heavily weighted to who the fans want to see because there wouldn't be an All-Star game if it weren't for fans watching said All-Star game. So, like, Zion Williamson plays 29 games. I didn't vote for him. I wouldn't put him on the team probably, much less a starter because of his games played. Um, but he got the third most votes, and, like, I I kind of made it, made a – joke in my story it's like would you rather um watch zion williamson dunk in an all-star game or like demonis sabonis grab a contested rebound like i, I don't blame fans for voting zion there um i i think i think all nba voting which only comes down to the media and i understand i'll look in the mirror and say that has its flaws as well i don't like that that has any impact on contract status but that's another conversation but i do think that's a more serious thing because that that's basically like the history book of who are the best 15 players in the league basically that season where you don't have it, it's it's not a popularity contest i think everyone who votes on that takes it very seriously yeah i think the more casual fans look at all-star voting as the more important thing but whenever you actually get into the trenches all nba is the more historical data thing on how you can tell about who are the most elite players in the league because you know there are fans who can vote from bigger markets to get their guys closer like Russell Westbrook who is a great player all-time player but he's not an all-star this season but the Lakers fans can prop him up Austin Reeves in the same situation and we've seen guys for years in different markets like that kind of get that big market bump but it's not always reflective of the players, and there's no real thing that happens like that with all NBA. Sure, there can be some goofy things just some uh, with the positional things, but overall you're not going to have somebody who gets voted all NBA hardly ever where the entire public is going, why is he on the list? Yeah, you're not going to have Austin Reeves um, get all NBA votes or, you know, whoever else. Like you said, Russell Westbrook, you're not going to have like the – the New York and, and L.A. like bias in there. Also on the All-Star uh, voting, I wanted to ask you about the Eastern Conference where they get the starters are Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, who's playing against the Thunder tonight, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, and Giannis Attendokounmpo. How did you vote on that side of the bracket? Because I know that there was a lot of controversy about just different positional things where a lot of people are trying to fit Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, and Durant all in. Well, that's the other thing, too, because I think there is going to be a way to fit all those guys, if you want, with All-NBA. Um, All-Star voting only gave us two positions, guards and front court players, and Giannis, Durant, Tatum, and Embiid were all listed as front court players, and only three of them can get in. So naturally, one of those guys was going to get left out. I, I had Embiid in there with Durant and Tatum. Uh, I had Giannis as the odd man out. There's no right answer in this. Um, wh- whichever way you want to go, all four of those guys are um, deserving. I, I'm I'm sure Joel Embiid is going to to use that as some extra motivation maybe um, because he's kind of had a chip on his shoulder anyway. And as far as the guards go, I did vote Donovan Mitchell. I thought that one was pretty obvious. The second, I wish I could have put one of those guys at guard um, – because like I don't really understand like I voted Jalen Brown is is the other guard uh, over Kyrie Irving and it's like if Jalen Brown's a guard why can't like Jason Tatum be a guard and you know it's just the the positions are a little wonky but um, that's the way I went. 
I mean, that's just how it goes on some of these things. People are going to look back and go, DeAndre Jordan was like a first-team All-NBA center? It's like, well, we had to vote in a center, and he was the only center really in the league at that time who could even like be in the discussion, even though there were better small ball fives. I don't know even if he was a first-team All-NBA guy, but I know he probably made an All-NBA team. But just weird stuff like that goes on. But it is pretty interesting just to see with how we can – keep leaning into positionless basketball that some of these same archetypes kind of stay there which I understand you know for historical reference we want to keep that in but do you think that should also be removed from all NBA voting yeah I do because like the argument against removing positions is a lot of people are going to think like centers are going to get shut out but it's like look at the league right now Jokic is on his way to maybe winning a third straight MVP Embiid is going to to get in there. Um, you, you've got really good choices um, at that position. I mean, Rudy Gobert has been in there a lot. Bam Adebayo is emerging. I know I'm missing some names. Carl Towns is is a really good player. Um, th- those guys, if the stats are there, Anthony Davis, if he plays, like those guys are going to get in regardless. I am in favor of getting rid of the positions because, like we're having a hard time distinguishing positions and coaches will be like, yeah, these guys don't have positions. I mean, I know they do, but it's like not in the traditional sense. Also to give you a glimpse into how goofy some of the positions were, um, Lindy waters is listed as a front court player. You think that's right? I would say no, but it's just there's so many weird <laughs> things going on. Like, what do you position Luca as? What do you put LeBron as? I mean, if you're looking at the Thunder, what is Josh Giddy? Is he as a guard? Is he a forward? J Dub plays every oh. position on the floor other than coaching, so I don't I don't know. You can also be a guard on offense and a forward on defense, which is basically what Josh Giddy is. Yes, so it's just it's such a weird thing, but the All Star game more than anything is gonna be a lot of fun. We're going to keep campaigning to get Isaiah Joe in the three-point contest. That's all we really care about. But the most important thing is that Shea is going to be an all-star. This is not something where it's like, well, his only case to make the game was by starting, and we, the Thunder fans and the media and players had to vote him to get that point. I think pretty, it's pretty um, unanimous that it's going to be Shea in the all-star game. It's just a matter of which team. That's correct. Yeah, we'll see uh, playground style. We'll see if... Um... LeBron and who, who's the is it Giannis is he the other yeah we'll see if LeBron or Giannis picks him who do you think who do you think would um LeBron is always politicking about guys on where uh, I remember a couple of years ago he was the all-star team captain and he picked exclusively guys who are on expiring deals as the Lakers yeah. had cap room that offseason. And don't yeah. forget, Joe, last season he complimented Sam Presti and Josh Giddy and all that stuff because he has a son coming up in the draft and the Thunder have all these picks. So you never know. Yeah, there could be some politicking. That That's for sure. I, I think I would also go with LeBron. I think Shea's going to be drafted um, pretty high. Obviously the starters are going to have to be drafted and divided up first. But after that, among the reserves, I, I would think Shea would be n- near the top. I was talking to a friend who um, told me about this, that with the NHL, they do an all-star draft too, but the person, whoever is picked last, gets a free car, which I think is a lot of fun because he said that all the guys are just politicking and saying, do not pick me, I want this free car, 
And I think that would be hilarious to see a bunch of guys out there. I don't know who the guy would be who would actually lean into it. Giannis seems like the guy, but since he's a captain, he can't get picked last. But that would have been a, a fun wrinkle to have. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the hometown guy, Laurie Markinen, might get picked last if he's voted in um, by the coaches. I think he's absolutely deserving and also just playing in Utah. But maybe, maybe the... Uh, the the, uh, the the great finisher will be uh, the last pick in the draft. We don't have an Al Jefferson, um, Rudy Gobert, who are some Lamarcus Aldridge situation where all the players are like you're good, but I don't necessarily want to pick you really high. Yeah, in this. I mean Sabonis is a good passer, so I think he will be fine. But like he's kind of a boring pick if he makes it. Um, yeah, I can't really. Like Kyle Kyle Lowry when he was in, it's like, eh, not that exciting of an all-star. But, yeah, I can't – this is a pretty fun group. Yeah, it should be a good time. LeBron's usually dominated a lot of these drafts as he has a tongue-in-cheek more history as a GM than any of these players. So he has a little bit more experience, a few more uh, pelts on the wall just in terms of uh, player management and making decisions he, like he, that. He's got more GM experience than most of the NBA GMs. You're not wrong. And then the last question I wanted to ask you about that before we get out of here is there's been some talk about some conspiracy about the uh, draft before the All-Star game. Do you think this is going to be like rehearsed where the guys already know who they're going to pick and go back and forth to make it smoother? Or do you think this is actually going to be all live? Huh. Um, I typically don't dabble in conspiracies, but maybe it would be naive of me to think it all is just going to be live and off the cuff, I do think maybe LeBron and Giannis talk to each other a little bit and have an idea of what's going on. And obviously the network is going to make sure it goes smoothly and everything. So so they might want to have some input there as well. So I don't really know. I mean, I think this is going to be a test drive regardless. To Hopefully this does become the norm. But if it's like totally awkward and uh, clunky, then maybe we go back to just those two guys on the, you know, Zooming in on TNT or something like that, picking their guys again. Can you imagine if Russell Westbrook was in this all-star game and he just watched as every other player got picked before him, just his face? I, I don't want that to happen, but it would be hilarious to think because he has some of the most honest nonverbals on the planet of on the planet of exactly what he's thinking about on his face. Yeah, I think a lot of this is going to come down. Uh, if me and you are picking these teams, I think we would like pick what we think are the best players and like to go win this game. There's a lot of, a lot of politics that are going to be going on and a lot of picking your buddy and, and not ruining uh, any friendships, I think. Yeah. And LeBron has a few more relationships out there than Giannis does who Giannis, if he had the option, he'd just pick his brothers and that'd be the end of it. And he'd pick the, the bucks lineup, but now he has to actually like network with other guys. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, Giannis is out there picking guys and like looking at a sheet of paper to say whose name is what because he can't remember it because I think he just cares so little about it. But it should be interesting. You have two giant personalities in LeBron and Giannis, and I'm sure we'll get um, Shaq and Charles Barkley making some jokes in the background. Yeah, Giannis would pick like the uh, two other Antetokounmpo's with Pat Connaughton and, and Brooke Lopez or something out there. Yeah, George Hill has been selected. Giannis, he is not in the group that you can choose from. All right, well, instead, I want Bobby Portis. And just, like, keeps going on. That'd yeah. be great. But 
Um, I'm excited. Maybe we'll see some trades during the draft. I know LeBron did that a few years ago, so we'll see. But I'm very excited. I know that you're going to Salt Lake City, so we'll have all the updates on that. Um, definitely looking forward to it. Have you been to All-Star Weekend before? I've not. This is going to be my first time. Um, I, I was on my first year on the beat. Uh, former beat part, partner Maddie Lee went up there when Chris Paul was in the All-Star game. And remember, he caught a he caught a lob and dunked it. That was insane. Um, but and, and then no All-Stars the past two years, so uh, this will be my first trip. I have no – I mean, I, I expect uh, an all-out circus, but I am looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun, and also, I mean, this hasn't really gotten talked about at all, but the Rising Stars game, hopefully we'll see J-Dub and Josh Giddy square off or maybe on the same team. I'm looking forward to asking those guys if they'd rather be on the same team or play against each other. Yeah, I uh, haven't heard much about that this year. I mean, they obviously changed that format around a lot. Um, it was like a mini tournament last year with, with four teams, so the Thunder has a good chance to get, obviously, at least two and, and maybe more in that game. Yeah, they need them for the shooting stars challenge. We need uh, the like the three shooting one. We need Giddy, J-Dub, and Chet in a boot and just have Chet shoot uh, stationary. It'd never happen, but I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah, they should just bring out Chet and Poku and like JRE. It's like the uh, the injured crew out there trying their best. Yeah, the all-star event is every team brings one player who's out for the year and we make them do stuff on a national stage. I'm sure there are no OSHA laws. We could do like a trivia contest, something non-physical. I'd pay a lot of money for that to see just like basketball trivia, but it's just about their own teammates. Yeah. Chet, uh, Shea went to what college? Oh. (laughs) Yeah, let's see it. But anyways, we could riff on this stuff all the time. Uh, we got plenty of stuff going on tonight as the Thunder play against the Cleveland Cavaliers, which should be a really good game. Um, Joe, thanks for coming on with me, and I will see you later tonight. All right. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow all on all platforms at ThunderBudPod on Twitter. We are on Spotify, Apple. Rate us five stars. I'll read your review out here. You can say whatever you want. List any questions you have for us on the podcast for a chance to maybe get answered on here. And thanks again for listening. And like I said, we will be back on Tuesday. <laughs>